boys and girls, scumbags, goofballs, uh, pimps and thugs, scholars. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's all I got. Um, I think I know what time it is. I hope y'all know what time it is. It is time for the football misfits. Uh, I'm your host, Kelly. I'm with my good brother, Ronnie. Ronnie, say what's good for the one time. And we back at it again with some bullshit for you, some drama for you. And boy, I mean, this stuff writes itself, doesn't it? Like, you can't ask ask for a better weekend to talk shit about. And boy, we got some shit to talk about. Uh, We've had big scorelines. We've had some big draws. We've had some on-field drama. We had some VAR, as we always do. Uh, Yeah, we did. We've had some derbies, a couple derbies across Europe, which we love to see. We love the energy. Yeah. Oh, we love talking about the BS that happened. The actual like BS itself uh, depends on what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sure enough. But yeah, I mean, and who better to receive it from but your boy Ronnie and LV, aka the voice of the UEFA Nations League theme song. Just kidding. That's not me. But uh, <laughs> speaking of the Nations League. Uh, Great segue, some- my friend. Uh, we had some, uh, you know, I try, you know, I've been doing a little bit of study, you know what I'm saying, trying to give our fans <laughs> game up, but uh, we did have some international footy uh, for one more week before the Prem and uh, a bunch of other leagues across Europe and the world kicked back off. So I guess it's only fair to start from there. Uh, just some brief, you know, we don't need to go all the way into it, but we did have some no. games, a lot of good stuff that went on, but some drama, which we, we love. Uh, and mainly coming from the Three Lions, a.k.a. the English, a.k.a. the Harry Maguires, a.k.a. what is going on in England. Um, I just wanted to touch really quick on Gareth Southgate, uh, the coach coming of Coming in hot. Let's go, LV. Coach of England, uh, Gareth Southgate, uh, the guy who uh, got England to the World Cup semifinal, credits to him. The guy who starts a bunch of young folks for England, credit to that. Because you love to see a bunch of young boys playing because the old heads are looking dusty. And, you know, we don't like that. But it seems after having a pretty much decent two weeks of international games for for the three lines, it looks like they might have had a bit of issues with that last game against Denmark coming up uh, in a loss, a 1-0 loss, courtesy of a Christian Eriksen penalty in the 30th-ish minute. Yeah, um, that game was not the prettiest. There was nothing that drew my attention to it other than the sending off of Harry Maguire and um, that Erickson penalty. It was just kind of, eh. But um, more into that sending off and more into your critiques on Gareth Southgate. Um, before, before we give you that, people have been coming for the amount of layers Gareth Southgate wears. Um, I feel like that. All right, you, you you could talk ish how you want, but that man is only as fly as an English manager can can get. Um, I don't know how how fresher an English manager can get. I just have to see it for myself. Oh, but I digress. Go over. I mean, he's flyer than Roy Hodgson, so you gotta you know give him credit for that. I Bingo. guess you know uh, the sweater vest, poppy. You know what I'm saying three piece suit at all times. I keep the necktie tucked in. I respect it. He, look, he looks all right. Uh, I think he's compensating for the slight baldness he's got going on on the top of his head. Yeah, I peeped it. I missed nothing, especially when it comes to losing hair. You know I'm an expert. 
That's what the England team has been doing to him these past couple of international breaks, right? Mm, mm. Like being the president of the United States gives you straight gray hair. Unless your name is Trumpito when your hair <laughs> might not be real. Artificial shit. But that's neither here nor there. I did want to just go in real quick on Gareth Southgate. Although he did seem to have England by the balls and seemed like the guy to usher in, in, usher in a new era for the young boys, I can't help but think after this loss, I don't know, maybe he might be losing the, the, the dressing room a bit. And I'd say that because there's been so many on and off field issues with the squad. And granted, this can happen when you have a team full of youngsters. Young folks are prone to doing dumb shit, as your parents would tell you, you know. Yeah. Um, but there's been a lot of it. And, you know, in quick succession, especially in the last couple of months, you know, you go from, you know, Harry Maguire, you know, having the debacle in Greece, Mason Greenwood and Phil Foden trying to, you know, smuggle in women into into their, uh, you know, team hotels or whatever have you. And, you know, even now you've got the first time, I think, in England history they had. Um, Two red cards in one game, yeah. Which, I mean, to be fair, that last red card came after full time. And it could have been. Yeah, Reese James. It did happen. got to put it down. Yeah, I mean, but with a seasoned manager, a guy who's got the team under his belt, do you think that stuff, kind of stuff should be happening, Ronnie? Do you, do you believe I'm looking too deep into it? What do you think? You might be looking a little bit too into it, but um, it is England, so I'm a, I assume all criticism is fair game. I don't want to say he's losing the whole team, maybe a few individuals. But then again, Gareth Southgate isn't responsible for Greenwood and Foden sleeping with Icelandic hookers, apparently, or Tammy Abram had like a birthday party that Jin and Sancho went or some shit. Yeah, some, some wild bullshit. <laughs> like, what, what? Like, that's out of Southgate's control, I would say. But um, when it comes to on the field, he's got to wake that team up because right now they're sitting third in their Nations League group behind Denmark and the leaders, Belgium. Oh, yeah, and they've got, what, two games left? In November, they have a couple games coming up in the Nations League against Belgium, I want to say. And they got Sir. Yeah, Belgium Sir. and uh, Iceland. Yep. So, Who are already relegated. That should be a win. But the Belgium yeah. game, you play them again, it's going to be a, a three-horse race between them three teams. Even though yeah. the way things look, I feel like Belgium's going to take this group. Yeah, and Denmark looks all right. I don't think they lost over the international break. Um, and so it'll be an uphill battle for the three Lions. Let's see if Gareth Southgate can uh, rein, rein in his horses and uh, make things happen. But uh, I don't know. I'm not going to say he's on the hot seat yet, but. Yeah, I'm not going to go that far. I'm going to say he's on the warm seat. Yeah, um, the temperature is turning up a little bit. Yeah. He, um, you know, the heated seats in the cars. He's on He's on like one right yes. now. They get up to three and it's an issue, but he's on, he's on one. A solid one. It might low-key be good for him because weather in England is piss poor. So, you know, turn that car <laughs> temperature up a bit. Might be just right. Yeah, you're right. You know, you, you. I guess it is fair. You do want to have a warm bum in England. Real quick, just again to some other Nations League highlights. Ukraine beat Spain one nothing. The first time that's ever happened. Spain, they just did not show up. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair to say. Um, the I game do... that. Go ahead. No, go, go, go. Of course, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to talk about the game that corresponded to their group, which was Germany three, Switzerland three. That was my favorite international game. That game was wild from start to finish. Germany could not keep a lead for shit. Seems like their defense is uh, the issue there. That is a problem. Yes. Yeah. 
they could use some attacking players as well. One of the um, conversations I've been seeing a lot on blogs and ESPN and some German circles is, should the manager, Joachim Love, bring back Thomas Muller? If you want my opinion, yes, yes, and yes. Uh, just based on the fact that, well, one, when he wears the German shirt, he's proven, he does this, and he doesn't seem to be slowing down at all in club footy at all i mean he just he recorded his most assists ever in a premier in, in a bundesliga season broke the record i believe if i'm not mistaken for assists so um he only he looks to be pivoting his game as he grows with age so he could be somebody that's needed in the dressing room a proven winner he's won the rose he's won the world cup he's you know finished as the top scorer in the league so he's a proven man he can only be positive i think for the young guys that are coming into the German team. So I, I don't see why you wouldn't start a guy like that. Maybe he might be wanting, he might be wanting to save him for the World Cup or the Euros. No, he cut him off completely. He cut him, Boateng, and I forgot who the third player Joachim Love cut off. But he was like, yeah, no, nah, I'm not bringing these guys back anymore, which is crazy. <laughs> Bo Boateng, all right, maybe, even though I yeah. think you could bring him back as well. Yeah. But... Thomas Muller, you gotta bring him back. It just makes sense to. I agree. I think it's if issue. I were the German FA, I would be like, "Yo, you bring him back, or your job is getting clipped." Yeah, I agree. It's an issue. Uh, Yogi Mlow, uh, this that stinky looking guy. He looks like he doesn't put on deodorant, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Thomas. You know, that's the one part of internationals I enjoy. Whenever we talk ish about the German manager and how disgusting he looks, he did. Dig his nose and then put his hand in his pants. So yeah, we'll, we'll never forget. He looks like a stinky guy. I know he's not washing his hands during COVID, but you know, uh, like uh, I said, neither here nor there. But uh, I can understand keeping Boateng out. He's you know he's getting older. He's getting he's getting slower. But a guy like Thomas Miller, who's still proving on a club level, you know that he's still you know very competitive, very driven, you know very versatile. I feel like it only makes sense to keep somebody like that on the squad, but it makes perfect sense. But I don't know. Maybe he just dig his nose of one too far up and it just fucked with his brain. Like, ugh. There you go. You gotta stop picking them boogers, man. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, though, um, hashtag bring back Muller. Um, I don't know how you say that in German, but whatever it is, <laughs> that it's probably like a fifteen syllable sentence, but whatever. Italy and the Netherlands ended 1-1. Poland, 3. Bosnia, 0 in the Nations League. Croatia lost to France, 2-1. And Portugal without CR7, who, since the last time we recorded this, he caught COVID. Mm -hmm. He's doing all right, I'm sure. Portugal, 3-0 winners over Sweden. So that pretty much does it for internationals. I got to say really quickly, if you are looking for a good place to find international scores and factoids, you can always check out the Footy Misfits on Instagram, at Footy Misfits. Uh, yeah, check that out. We've got great graphics, courtesy of the good brother Ronnie. Y'all can check that out over there, at Footy Misfits on the gram. Follows are appreciated, so are interactions. And a lot of people interacted with us lately. Shouts to our good friend 6D Sports. Got to get him on the show, man. Hey, man, we got to make this happen. 6D Sports is the truth. He is the president of the Misfits fan club, if we ever had one. That's my boy, um, man. I'm, I'm the president of the 6D Sports fan club, so you know. <laughs> um, Shouting out other people who interacted with us. At Suarez Atleti, this page is dedicated to Luis Suarez for Atletico <laughs> de Madrid. I'm not mad at it. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and shout out to fellow podcasters over at the Primo Pod. Hey, the Primo Podcast. There's an inner fan in the mix, and when we picked Inter Milan to be AC Milan, well, we meaning me and Spencer did because you didn't. I was gonna say I wish I did. I mean, I'm glad I didn't actually. I'm glad I did because they loved our pick. But going off of how we did in Italy, um. Yeah, don't trust our intuition on Serie A picks. Let's actually stay there because, again, Inter played Milan. It was open as shit, if you ask me. Open open is definitely the word. Uh, I feel like that's a derby in the truest sense of the word, and you got to appreciate it for what it was. Uh, you know, going into the game, AC Milan being the side that hasn't conceded a goal yet in the league, and Inter Milan being the side that's been scoring goals left, right, and center. Uh, we, you know, a great time to see them both come into it. And I got to say, that's been the theme of it, uh, of these derbies that we saw this past week. In the last couple of years, derbies, I feel like, haven't been meaning as much either. They've been one-sided or something of the sort. But a lot of these derbies this week have been both teams in form, ready to take the W. And Inter Milan versus AC was the prototypical derby. Great to see. Um, they definitely revived the Milan Derby of old. That's for yeah, damn sure. I definitely agree. It was everywhere. The game was everywhere. It was very physical as well. Yeah, energy. I mean, and with no crowd there, they said, fuck the crowd. We don't need a crowd. And, you know, they brought the energy, uh, you know, felt like a derby from the first to the 90th minute. And, you know, we saw some drama. A very, probably one of the more controversial VAR uh, calls of the season. Um, I didn't see it towards the end, but if you want to elaborate on that, by all means. So what ended up happening some point in the second half, Christian Eriksen provides a through ball for Romelu Lukaku, but in that sequence, it deflects off of a Milan player. It ends up going to Lukaku, who was ahead. He ends up falling in the box, and it was initially awarded a penalty. VAR looks back. It was a clear penalty. The VAR was if Ericsson's pass to Lukaku was offside. They determined that Lukaku was off. I'm looking at the replay right now. In theory, Lukaku is offside. Had it not deflected off that um, Milan player, because it did, I felt like it was fair game. I think that's how I think offside works, right? Yeah. Um, it looks crazy because it, it's just the slightest deflection. Right. That could have been 2-2 right there, but that didn't happen. And that was like in the second half. That was one of the bigger moments of the second half. All the scoring was done in the first by Lukaku and Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Zlatan Ibrahimovic, a.k.a. Mr. Derby, Mr. Milan Derby. You know, he scored goals for both Milan sides. The only guy I feel like who can do that and get love on both sides. <laughs> to, you know, came with a double. Ultimately gave the W to uh, AC Milan. Um, now... Top of the table, Milan, by that way. There you go. go. Only conceded one goal this season. Looking in form, looking very good. Um, And going back to our predictions real quick. uh, If you've been following, my picks clearly aren't the ones that you should, uh, I guess, take stock in because my record is under 500. But uh, you picked Inter Milan to win. I picked a draw. Neither happened when AC Milan had to go ahead and take the W. So hats off to them. And they're the only team in City out to not drop points. That's, I mean, that's big. They played. They played. They played good competition. Inter Milan is one of the better teams this season, and even last season. So 
that that's big for them. Let's see where it takes them this season and see if they can keep up the momentum. Let's stay in Italy because one of the other big games of the weekend was Napoli and Atalanta. So oh. Saturday morning, we're watching all the derbies. Um, the Merseyside, Old Firm, switch over to Napoli, Atalanta. Atalanta are getting uncharacteristically washed by Napoli. Irving Lozano, the Mexican, who they called Chucky, scored two. Phew. I mean, wash is an understatement. That shit was a walloping. <laughs> then you have Matteo Politano scoring a goal to make it 3 nothing at the half. Oh, actually, it was 4 nothing at the half. I could not believe Atalanta was just this flat. I want to give them the benefit of the doubt, though, because a lot of their heavy hitters are coming back from Colombia. Papo Gomez, who's usually good, he was kind of off today. I mean, Saturday. Yeah. Um, based on what I caught, um, Atalanta, like you said, looked flat. Uh, and Napoli, credit to them, looked like some killers, man. They came to win, and when they Joseph did. Joseph Illicic also made his return for Atalanta. I haven't seen him since that Champions League game where he put four past Valencia. Yeah, yeah. Right yeah. at the height of COVID. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, but I don't know, man. I feel like this is a little blip for Atalanta. Meanwhile, for Napoli, they took that um, Serie A decision to dock them a point and to hand Juventus the dub. And like, oh, word. Yeah. Right. And oh, yeah. <laughs> they took their anger out on, on Atalanta. Yeah, you said it best. They looked like they came into this game with some disrespect. <laughs> they wanted to get something off their chest. And, man, Atalanta suffered at the hands of Napoli. Four goals kept it pushing. You know, a uh, great win by the Neapolitans. You, me, and Spencer picked Atalanta to win. And, woof, man, did we pick the wrong side. Hey, Amen. Because on paper, it's Atalanta or a draw, if you ask me. I agree. I picked Atalanta all the way. I thought they would come in. I just have a lot of love for those boys. I mean, I've said it over the podcast a couple of times. I love the way they play. No fear in their game. And uh, today was one of those days where they paid for it. They got caught lacking. But, again, their next match in Serie A, Atalanta, they play Sampdoria. That should, be, that should be good. A good recovery game, if you will. A good recovery game, but they do have Champions League in the mix. Mm, and that could complicate things, for sure, depending on who they play. They will play <laughs> FC Michelin on Wednesday. FC Michelin. Midgieland. There we go. Let me stop disrespecting the Midgieland. <laughs> and if that's not the pronunciation, I'm sorry. I can't pronounce that. I feel like they will win that Champions League game and they will win this game. So Atlanta, I, I'm not concerned about them. The, the only other games in Serie A that I saw, um, Juventus and Crotone, I saw a little bit of that. New signing Federico Chiesa sent off. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm seeing critics say that was a harsh call. The Juventus game finished 1-1, right? Just for the, just for the record. Yes, 1-1 against newly promoted Crotone. And today, Sunday, we're recording this on Sunday night. I saw Roma defeat Benevetto 5-2. So that's it for Serie A, for me. For you as well, Ovi? Yeah, that was pretty much it, it for the Serie, uh, Serie A for me. Uh, the big ones for me, obviously, was the Milan Derby. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, looking at the table really quickly, obviously Milan at top, like you said before, uh, have yet to drop points, 12 points from 12. Juventus... Added hiccup today, it seems. They picked up two wins from four. No losses yet, uh, but two draws. 
obviously it's early on, but they look like they got to pick up some steam. They definitely do. Juventus's first game in the Champions League is against um, Dinamo Kiev in the Ukraine on Tuesday. Ronaldo's not going to be there for that. There's questions whether he'll be back for the Verona or the Barcelona game. I'm down if he misses Verona. I want to see him against Barcelona. I agree. I just feel like that's one of the more hyped games. Obviously, to see Messi and Ronaldo go at it again, you know, you, you got to take what you can. And when you get a chance to see those two go at it, oof, I mean, you just hope that it can happen. And so, yeah, prayers up to Ronaldo. I hope he's feeling all right and hope that he tests negative in time. Yes, sir. And um, Weston McKinney, the American for Juventus, also tested positive for COVID-19. Yeesh. I mean, praise up to all and hope a speedy recovery for yes, sir. players and, and not only just the players, but everyone across the world. Yes, sir, man. Um, so with that being said, let's head over to England. The Merseyside Derby. Yeah. Merseyside Derby. Um, yeah. It's convenient that our good brother Spencer is not here with us this ain't week to talk about this. Ain't it, Jay? Oof, ain't it? Ain't it convenient? Look at that. He actually has something, you know, to take care of, which we respect. And just, you know, just fucking around with the guy. But this game was controversial from start to finish. Controversial. Uh, just like the uh, Milan Derby, it was open and full of energy. There was chances on both sides. And before we get into the gameplay, uh, Ronnie, go ahead and let the folks know what time we got up to watch that game. In the U.S., that game started at 7.30. 7.30 Eastern Standard Time, bright and early when the, or the uh, goddamn, what's the male version of a chicken, the hens? Which ones go cock-a-doodle-doo? Roosters? When the roosters go cock-a-doodle-doo. You a Spurs fan, you don't know that? Well, yeah, you know. Spurs <laughs> got me uh, brainwashed. I was going to say the uh, cockerel. That's what I was going to say. Uh, so. it, I, hey man, that's the English term. Exactly, the old right. English term. Yes, sir. No, me. but um, all the slander that I said about not waking up at seven to watch all these matches, I take that back. Select matches I will watch that yes, early. Yes, sir. Merseyside Derby, I had to catch that. And, and uh, the moment when I caught it was one of yeah, the most controversial moments of the game when Jordan Pickford took down. Virgil van Dyke, mm, 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 mm. pretty much ending his season damn near. Oh, yeah. Woo, reports are not coming in good for the... It is the not pretty. Yeah, and uh, obviously no hate on this side. Much much uh, love and much prayers to van Dyke. Get well soon, but God damn, ain't that a bitch for Liverpool. God damn. Absolutely. Prayers up to Virgil. Spencer, who's not with us today, he asked us to set some tears for Virgil for him. I physically cannot cry at the moment, so um, no. I'm sorry, Spence. I had you down. <laughs> no, but um, Spencer was kind of heated at this moment for good reason. It was a red card straight up. No questions asked. Anyone who disagrees is bugging. I got to agree. I mean, that shit was egregious. Uh, he came for his leg and that's pretty much it he it was reckless it was crazy uh jordan pickford said i'll take one for the team and sure enough he took one he took one that shit was crazy my mom saw a highlight to that today she was like what color card was that i'm like no they didn't they didn't, they didn't give a card it was like his knee went a different direction yeah that was a wwf move i think i feel like i saw that in like a hell in a cell or something 
Jordan Pickford should have been sent off for that. A- everyone agrees. And VAR was looking to see whether or not the pass for Liverpool was offside. I, I don't get it. Like, like that was just reckless. That was a damn near evil tackle, if you ask me. I, I'm sure there was no malice intent by Pickford. But come on, man. That's a straight red. Yeah, I, I got to agree. I mean, it just I, it seems like the VAR and the ref were focused on too many things apart from the biggest thing that happened was uh, that tackle and no card given to Pickford. Terrible injury, according to reports. Uh, it's looking like a, an ACL tear or some sort of tendon in the knee, something uh, I've read anywhere from seven to eight months to a year where he'll be sidelined. And I mean, you hate to see it, but, I mean, the champions will be reeling. Uh, they'll be missing him for sure. Apart from missing pretty much the rest of the season, if it's that bad, again, speedy recovery to Virgil, if this recovery does prolong itself, he might miss the Euros. Yeah, and like you said, it's unfortunate. I mean, you, you hate to see it happen. I think it definitely raises some questions, especially in regards to the Premier League. And I got to ask, Ronnie, I wish Spencer were here to maybe give us some insight. But Oh, everyone's talking about it. Everyone's talking about it. I know what you're going to ask. Ask away. I got to ask, do you think that this takes away Liverpool's chance at reclaiming the title this season? It definitely fucks those chances up a lot. Yeah, I got it. And this is a Liverpool defense who, I want to say since restart, have been a little shaky. Mm, Shaky. 7-2 shaky. (laughs) Oh, oh my gosh. Add insult to injury here, man. Um, I played that game to to their credit. So, I I mean, I don't know. They've been a little lackluster defensively. I will say that. Virgil leads the defense. I don't know. And then you have Allison gone right now. Yeah. And that could be arguably just as big. So you have no Allison, no Virgil. Liverpool's defense is pretty much shot right now. I don't want to go ahead and give the title away to City or Everton since they're leaders in the table. But I will say that the chances for Liverpool to repeat are definitely going to be a lot harder. Yeah. Um, I think I'll take it a step further. And I will say that this not only messes up their chances at winning the Premier League title again this season, this puts them in a position where they could have a hard time Uh-oh. competing for top four. Oh, I thought, oh, oh, it just registered what you said. I think that they are going to have quite the season and it'll be rough. I'm not saying they won't finish in the top four spot, but what I'm okay, saying good. is, this season, it's it's not going to be a cakewalk for them because everybody and their mama is coming for blood this season. And if we're being honest, I mean, Liverpool's got a great team, but they are one of those teams where they're just one injury away from struggling. And obviously we saw the game against Aston Villa. They had a couple of players, key players missing, but Van Dyke is that piece. And I think if anything, they're thinnest at the back in terms of quality. And by quality, I mean, a guy like Van Dyke commands the entire back line. He's the kind of guy you can have a high line with and leave him in, on an island and be comfortable with him and Allison cleaning up. Whoever they put in to replace him there, whether it be Matt Tip, whether it be Fabinho, whether Joe Gomez comes in, and Lovren's gone somewhere in Russia now. Whoever you put in there, let's be honest. It's not the same. He's not going to cover what Van Dyke can cover and, and bring the presence and energy that he brings. Defense wins championships, and I just feel like it's going to be a huge blow 
I think they'll have quite the issue uh, battling for top four. Everybody looks good. And I thought you were going to say that it was going to be hard for them to get out the Champions League group. I mean, yeah. I mean, Atalanta, Ajax, Midtjylland. Oof. Oh, man. You know what? Yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to be very tough for them. Defense is incredibly important. And in the Champions League, you cannot miss a step or a beat. And right now, it's coming. this injury is coming at a time where the Champions League is about to jump into full swing. And they can't afford to be regrouping and being on the off foot, especially against a team like Atalanta, who, you know, will bring you the heat, bring any team the heat, you know, let alone a Liverpool side without Van Dijk. I don't trust a Joe Gomez. And Matip looks okay. Fabinho has always been a quality defender, but man, oh man, it's going to be tough for them. Back to this Merseyside Derby, though. This game saw Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah score for Liverpool. Mane scoring hella early, first thing in the morning. Right early, like the like the roosters and the cockerels. <laughs> you have um, Keane for Everton level things up. Like we said, Salah scored again, but you called it. Dominic Calvert-Lewin scored at least once, and he did. You can't miss. The boy can't miss right now, and he did it a textbook way, a cross in and dropped in a header, uh, you know, something he does best right now. If you looked at the replay or the goal, man, Robertson didn't even try to compete for that header. He jumped way over the kid, put it in the corner of the bottom left corner, uh, late in the game to tie it up. Um, and speaking of VAR drama, which, you know, it, it, it can't spend a week, can't take a week off. VAR is like, you know what, what can I fuck up? Now let's talk about Hendo. I'll go ahead and take the reins on this one. Uh, late in the game, after Everton tied up, 2-2 is the score. Uh, a emergency side derby for the books. Richarlison ends up getting sent off off of a very mean and reckless tackle, I got to say. Well-deserved. That, that it was. That it was. I, I agree. That it was. Liverpool definitely took advantage, pressed Everton uh, left, right, and center, was getting, was getting to the goal, finding Pickford, and making him you know, work, uh, earn his paycheck, as you will. And uh, sure enough, late in the game, 90th minute, extra time, Liverpool, through a, a bit of good play, saw Jordan Henderson connect in the penalty box and score a goal. Uh, and you thought that it would be a 3-2, Liverpool takes the cake and, you know, wins a very hard-fought match in Merseyside at Goodison Park. But VAR came through with that bullshit and uh, called it back. I believe it was... Can I ask you something? Go ahead, please. What's smaller than a millimeter? Man, can I phone a friend? Ronnie, can you give me the answer? <laughs> I wish I had the answer. I don't think he was off. Not even millimeters off. I just don't see how off he was. Yeah, it was unbelievable. And I, like, I, like you'll see screenshots, zoom in. You can zoom in. You can only zoom in that far. Screenshot that. Zoom in that screenshot. I don't know. I, I, I can't tell if Sadio Mane was really off. Yeah, and, and I guess this is the thing when you when you bring in artificial intelligence or the computer into the game, uh, it kind of makes things literally to the T. And unfortunately, Liverpool uh, suffered for that and was ultimately called offsides. It was ridiculous, man! It's, it, unbelievable scenes at the at Goodison Park. Late game match winner, you know, stolen back by the VAR. We've seen it happen countless times. Uh, Liverpool, just another team to suffer at the fate of the criminal that we know as VAR. The game ends 2-2, a hard-fought game, entertaining game. Uh, Liverpool, you know, will be really sad to not pick up all three points there. I agree, man. It, people are saying Liverpool were robbed. I kind of agree. 
Um, I mean, on a more bright, on a more positive note, uh, Everton will walk away from this game feeling feeling not too shabby. Would you agree? Yes, but on a much more positive note, I did pick this one to be a draw. <laughs> not trying to be conceited, but I I, I did call this. <laughs> uh, that bullshit. There we go. Ronnie tooting the horn. I respect it. Amen. Air horns, yeah. Air horns for your picks, cause <laughs> you're on fire. You're on fire. Hey man, calls are how I see it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, yo, look. Can I borrow some of your eyes, like, cause clearly mine don't work. <laughs> mine don't work in Italy. Apparently, they work in England. Um, well, I will say it's a it's a long season, so we'll see if I can go. It ahead is, and apparently, okay. someone said there's not been a scoreless draw this season in the Prem. Ooh. Do you think that speaks to how quarantine has impacted teams on a mentality level or are teams just coming in more fierce on the attack side or are teams just playing much worse defense? A little bit of everything. No crowd definitely influences it. Like we're not playing for anybody or we're not playing against anybody rather if you're the away side. So fuck it. Let's just go all in. Yeah. and, and um, Like how West Ham did today. They just went all in. Yeah, on, on the um, other side of the coin, I love how you brought that up. That hurts, but on the other I'm side, sorry. But then the, you also mentioned defending. Um, like we mentioned at the at the start of this part of the pod, Liverpool defensively have been kind of meh, and that's with Virgil. Right, and on the yeah, like you said, I mean, on the other side of the coin, when with no crowd there, you've got nobody to kind of really hold you accountable aside from your manager. Um, and if you haven't, if you're having a piss poor defensive performance or playing, you know, not giving it your all, usually the crowd will give it to you at some point, uh, especially uh, in a derby crowd. It's giving defenders the chance to maybe turn off the switch here and there and not be held accountable right away. Maybe later by the manager or the, you know, the coaches and stuff like that. But uh, I got to say, I think that may have uh, maybe a factor in why we haven't seen defensive master classes if you will uh this season so, for some clubs yes yeah and so i guess we'll see what happens if things kind of level out uh, as the season goes on and players get used to it or who knows maybe this will be the year where we see 35 goal player in the premier league which is a, which is an unseen thing unless your name is alan shearer or something like that you know and mm -hmm. so, or, or mo salah because he'd be doing that you know, you see those memes where they flash back to Boxing Day 1963, I think the year is, where all the scores are just wild, like 12-1, 4-4, You see that pop up every now and again. Like, that's the Premier League this season. I love seeing the high-scoring games. Sometimes they get a little bit disrespectful. Uh, and, you know, that's okay. This has been a crazy year, and what better way to have disrespectful uh uh, you know, score lines, and it'd be like that. 12 1 is a bit crazy, but hey, man, listen, who knows? Facts, who knows? That takes care of the Merseyside Derby again. Spencer is just felt gutted by the loss of Virgil van Dyke. Before we come on air, he texts us, um, like I said, shed some tears, which I physically cannot do right now. He'll be back better than ever. Speedy recovery to him, I think so. How long that'll take, I don't know. Again, hopefully, Virgil van Dyke does recover. Manchester City played Arsenal. It's not even worth talking about because that game was just very uneventful. I'm sure you would agree with me, right? Yeah, I mean, it was it was what it was. City came to play. Arsenal, to be fair, also came to play, but City were clinical and took their chances, and the game ended 1-0. Yeah, not much to talk about, like you said, and we can move right past that. 
Sunday game of note was a London Derby. One that got you a little aggravated, I'm sure. Let's quickly get into it. Tottenham Hotspur, West Ham United. I came into this game not even thinking about possibly losing to West Ham. I did, however, believe that we were going to concede a goal because Spurs, no matter what, can't keep a clean sheet to save their lives, much to the chagrin of Jose Mourinho. Uh, and sure enough, starting the game, Spurs came on in hot, guns blazing. Scored first thing goals, in the morning. Scored three goals in the first 20 minutes. Scored a goal in, within 45 seconds, actually. Uh, a hell of a, uh, a lob from Harry Kane. You know, just continue, continuing to show his passing masterclass. Son puts it uh, away 1-0 within a minute. Uh, goes up 2-0 very quickly. And uh, from there, uh, looked like it was going to be another 5-0 game. Uh, David Moyes looked like he was like, hey, just, just sack me now while you can. However, the, the, uh, the possession kind of switched sides going into the second half. And West Ham came on uh, the aggressive front. Today was supposed to be the day to celebrate Gareth Bale's return to Spurs. Uh, sure enough, uh, he came on in the 70th minute to an empty stadium, which uh, I guess fans will be sad to see. I mean, I was... I was uh, sad about that, but it is what it is. Came on. They did turn up the artificial noise, though, so that was dope. We do love the artificial noise and uh, the noise. And shouts, well. and shouts to him. Seconds on the field, he takes the set piece. Yeah, his first first touch was a free kick, which he was a shot that on target. That was ambitious. Shot on target. Um, didn't really phase Fabianski. Kind of went straight to the keeper, but got him up and running. Uh, Spurs replaced Ndombele, who I believe had a great game. He's just got an incredible finesse to his game. He just seems like he's impossible to take off the ball. Uh, he comes off for Harry Winks. <clears throat> Bale comes on for Steven Bergbun, who didn't have the best game, seems to have been struggling this season. Things went left from there. Uh, West Ham picked up the pace, began uh, attacking in Spurs' half, and before you knew it, scored a goal in the 80th minute. And I said, there we are. There's a clean sheet. Let's put it to bed, boys. 3-1, end the game here. Uh, but sure enough, Spurs went ahead and introduced uh, brought Gareth Bale came back, and I guess Spurs decided to take it back to Gareth Bale, the Gareth Bale days. Uh, Spurs team with no quality uh, suddenly appeared from nowhere, and in the next ten minutes conceded another goal, making it three-two, which was interesting. Uh, I pointed out that Jose Mourinho's first game in charge of Spurs was against West Ham, and they went up three-nil, uh, conceded too late, and finished the game ultimately three-two which my dumbass believed would be the same result. I was sadly mistaken. Uh, with four minutes of extra time on the clock, West Ham caught a set piece late, crossed it in, cleared by Spurs, and Lanzini went ahead and scored the goal of his career. A yes, put some respect on Manuel Lanzini's name. Goddamn. Scored the goal of his career. A screamer to the top right corner. Hugo Lloris had a, put a hand to it. That hand didn't mean shit. Courtesy Sm dive, if you will. Yeah, smashed the top corner. All, I mean, all that came from that for Lloris was a, a, sore, a sore hand. Puts it in in the 91st minute uh, to make it 3-3. Gareth Bale Day was quickly soured by David Moyes and the Hammers. I know Jose Mourinho was fuming. A lot to be desired from the Spurs. You thought they could have been a bit more killer. Gareth Bale uh, did have uh, quite the chance late on in the game to put the game to bed. A through ball from Harry Kane after they were picking on the, the defense, which to me looked incredible seeing Bale and Kane together on the same team. I, I noticed that we did have our first listeners from the UK, 
Do you think one of those listeners might have been David Moyes and he heard all the shit you've been talking about him? Uh, I'm, at this point, I think I'm 100% certain that David Moyes, he heard me. And he was like, I'm going to make this guy look like a piece of shit. Because sure enough, that's exactly what they did. That day, turned, I was watching the game and there was a West Ham fan nearby where I was at. And he was the only guy that was a West Ham fan there. Dead quiet for 90 minutes. When they scored that third goal to tie it up, man, he looked us dead in the eye. And he let out some kind of scream. I don't know where it came from, but he sounded like a deer or something. He just sounded ridiculous. Let it out. And this guy jumped up and ran, ran home. I believe he ran home. I don't think he even watched the end of the game, but he ran home. So it was one of those days. Spurs doing Spurs things. And that's got to be a big blow for Spurs fans. Uh, realistically, Spurs do have some work to do uh, improving on the on the defensive end. Davinson Sanchez, an athletic center back, prone to making mistakes. Toby Aldevero didn't have the best game either, to be quite fair. Um, and so a game where Spurs had the game by the balls, let it go, and West Ham quickly countered. And yeah, took care of business, ran away with a point. Uh, Spurs yet to be able to secure points at home. Both of their wins this season come away from home. Um, so I'm sure Mourinho is going to have a lot to say in the dressing room. It was tough to watch for me personally. I, I mean, it was great to watch for 80 minutes. And then those last 10 minutes uh, really shows you what momentum does in football and really shows you how quickly your day can go from great to shit. <laughs> if it weren't for the Milan Derby, this match would have probably been my favorite of the week. This was highly entertaining. Absolutely. Absolutely. Highly goal entertaining. Goals of plenty. Um, 3-3 game. Uh, it wasn't the only 3-3 game in the Premier League. Uh, Southampton and Chelsea notably went to have quite the game themselves. Um, yeah, uh, but it was Chelsea fucking up again. Um, Timo Werner scored a couple. Kepa oh, wasn't oh, goal really because goal Mendy way. was no longer available because of injury mm-hmm. with his national team. But, eh, I mean, what do you expect, man? This Chelsea team still has some hiccups to um, take care of. Yeah, defensively, and- defensively they look shaky. But credit, again, to Timo Werner. Scored two goals that were, you know, really good, very class goals from him. His first two Premier League goals, um, but it wasn't enough. Chelsea have a lot to work, a lot of work to do on the defensive end. They look shaky, and they look like they can concede at any minute. And Southampton, with their inform attack, made them pay for it. And uh, sure enough, a late goal tied things up. And you know, same thing happened at Spurs v West Ham. Woo, like Loki, I said, not a surprise that Chelsea ended three three. Fair. They still have work to do. They finished 3-3 against West Brom. Albeit Southampton are a better team. But, yeah, it's not a surprise to me, man. And on top of that, I didn't see this game either. Yeah, and I got to say, I won't uh, take away from West Ham. The Spurs looked incredible in the first half. Inc- absolutely incredible. They looked killer. They looked like they wanted to put away everything. Uh, they got three goals. And it seems to be the name of the game for Spurs. Uh, no lead is big enough. Uh, same with uh, when they played Newcastle. Uh, went up 1-0 and seemed like they could score five, but one wasn't enough. They went away with a draw. Same thing here. They scored three goals, and it seems that three wasn't enough. Um, now, I have to give West Ham a bunch of credit, like I said. They've improved vastly from last season, where they ended up in 16th place. Fighting relegation and shit. Ended the year on a high note, four goals for Antonio on the final day of the season. You know, they made some signings, and they look a bit more sound. Declan Rice looks pretty good. They seem to be a team that's got a bit of character. As much shit I talk about uh, David Moyes, credit to him, he's got a team there that you know looks like they plan to do a lot more than finish in 16. Maybe they can actually claim that big picture spot that uh, they so-called deserve. Hey, man, um, that plan was scrapped. The teams voted against <laughs> that, as they fucking should have, because oh. 
albeit there were some good things like away fan discounts and some other bullshit. When you look at the details, bullshit all the way through, smelled fishy, but that doesn't mean they're not plotting something still. So, yeah, yeah. but it was scrapped. They threw that shit in the garbage. Absolutely. Right next to Harry Maguire. <laughs> Who scored this weekend, by the way? We forgot to mention. Harry Maguire did score. He needed that shit. And he definitely needed that shit. A good way to bounce back from the struggles with the national team and the Spurs game. Hey, man, he needed that boost. Hopefully, he, you know, he picks up his game. Because for 80 mil, you cannot be trash. Yeah, you cannot be, you cannot be fighting the police in Mykonos. Can't do it. No, 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 no. So, I want to backtrack a little bit. And this sure. will lead me to our next topic. Spencer's, one of the Spencer's teams, Liverpool, they didn't have the best of games. His other favorite team, as you guys know, Real Madrid, they didn't have the best of games either. Hey, the curse of the pink shirt. I want to call it the curse of the Honduran Choco Lozano, Anthony Lozano, man from the motherland scoring and shit. Hey, go ahead, rep one time. Go ahead. Hey. Cinco Estrellas de Palido Azul. He scored the long goal for Cadiz, beating Real Madrid 1-0. That gave Honduras one win this weekend. The other win was that boxing match. Um, Timofimo Lopez beating Vasily Lomachenko. <laughs> Um, <laughs> not gonna distract myself though. Yeah, talk about defensive masterclasses, right? Cadiz, go ahead, winning the game one nil. What Real Madrid were just awful from what I've been hearing. I saw highlights. Did Zidane just mess up? Did he not respect his opponent for him to make four subs at the half? Yeah, that was nuts. Uh, and I will say two things about that. I read somewhere, uh, and I can't remember right, right now off the top of my head where I read it. It could be just hearsay, so feel free to disregard this. But I read that Zidane doesn't necessarily coach his players. He kind of just lets them do whatever they want, which is weird sense. to me from a manager. Could be could be complete bullshit, maybe not. And maybe it's starting to show with the group of guys that they have. Um, and another thing is that I predicted Eden Hazard to have a good season this, season this year. And I am not backtracking yet, but woof, he's making it hard for your boy. I'll tell you that much. I'm not surprised at the Zidane stuff. He does. He is a player manager, but to the extent where like the players are making all the choices, I don't know about all that. And as for Hazard, well, it's gonna take him a while, but I do hope that he picks it up. If we uh -huh. thought one of the big teams in Spain had it rough, the other team had it rough too. Barcelona lost to Getafe, one nothing. Yeah, one nil. Uh, again, the curse of the pink shirt. I believe Barcelona was wearing some sort of pink in their attire. Yeah, went ahead and uh, took the L, 1-0. I also didn't see the game, but you love to see it when the big boys go down. Not the way these two teams want to head into El Clasico this weekend coming up. Everything we said about uh, derbies uh, this past weekend could be the opposite for them. Two teams going uh, not in the best form, uh, both looking pretty shaky, uh, not sure where they're going with the season. They both, they right. both have a chip on their shoulder to improve maybe. Right. Stay tuned for our predictions on Instagram. I'll tell you what Spencer predicts right now. Real Madrid, no matter what. Um, <laughs> this El Clasico is not going to be the El Clasico's of old, but I do hope for a good game. That's another one of those games that you had to get up early for. We have to. It's El Clasico. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I get up at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and catch all the sports I can. Shouts to Real Sociedad, by the way, who are leaders in La Liga. The Champions League is back this week, my friend. We do have some interesting matches. Chelsea plays Sevilla. P 
PSG and Manchester United. Yes, big game. Let's break down these groups um, in a little bit more detail. Yes, um, I, yeah, I can go ahead and start with Group A. Quickly, we've got uh, Atletico Madrid, uh, FC Salzburg, Lokomotiv Moskova, and FC Bayern Munich, the current defending champions. I think this one seems pretty easy. Salzburg and Lokomotiv Moskov uh, might have it rough. I'm going to go ahead and say Munich finishes top of the group. I don't think they'll even drop a game. And, they didn't drop uh, a game all Champions League last season either, so it's definitely feasible. Exactly. So um, we'll see with that. Uh, I think the Madrid will finish second, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and give Salzburg the third place finish, drop them into the Europa League. Okay, Lokomotiv Moscow, they're, they're out of Europe altogether. Yes. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, I agree with you on everything, but that I'm siding with the Russian team to go into the Europa League. Salzburg finishing in fourth. Bayern wins the group. Fair. That's, I mean, good money. We'll see what happens. And, I mean, makes things interesting. Yeah, four teams that look sort of quality. Borussia Mönchengladbach, Real Madrid. We've got Shakhtar Donetsk, who somehow, some way, make it into the quarterfinals or something of the sort. Round of 16, at least, every season. And uh, Inter Milan is also in that group there. I'm going to go ahead and say Inter Milan will top the group. I'm going to give the Dark Horse second place pick to Shakhtar Donetsk. Let's get Real Madrid the fuck out of here. Let's do it. Come on. Get him out of here. Oh. Did they make it to the Europa League or are they just going to not, not even finish third? Yeah, they'll finish in third place. I'll give them that. They'll finish over Borussia Mönchengladbach. I'll give them that. All right. Um, we do need those wild picks in this, you know, to balance things out. So, um, There's if a reason why my uh, predictions are terrible because I specialize in the wild picks and clearly they don't pan out for your boy. But If we're going to go wild, um, I will say that Inter will not make it out the group stage. It will be sent to the Europa League. Real Madrid and Shakhtar will go through. Fair. There are no whack groups, but if I had to pick a whack group, it would be C. Manchester City, Olympiacos, Marseille, and Porto. I'm going to be petty and say Manchester City does not win the group. They will go to the next round, though. Oh, wow. Okay, um, I love a wild pick. Oh. Man City will finish second. Porto, eh, after I'll say they'll finish first. Marseille goes to the Europa League. Interesting. Okay. The uh, coaching position is on the line for Pep Guardiola. Uh, so with that being said, they've got no choice but to finish in the in first or second place. I'm going to go ahead and say City will take over the first place spot. And I'm going to go ahead and give the second place spot to uh, FC Porto uh, with Olympic Marseille dropping into the Europa League and Olympiacos finishing last. Group D, Liverpool, Atalanta, Ajax, Mijaland. Uh Atalanta and uh, oof, uh, I'm going to go Atalanta. I've already got one wild pick. I mean... It's going to be tough for Liverpool to finish second. I'm not one to backtrack. So Atalanta tops the group. Ajax goes second. Sorry, Liverpool. Spencer's going to want five minutes with you. Sorry, Spencer. You're not here to defend yourself today. It's okay. <laughs> Liverpool, because of this hiccup, they're going to drop from first to second. I see Atalanta winning the group now. Ajax finishing third. And Mijalan, who are in their debut group stage, they will finish fourth. Hey, man. Uh, is it logical? I'm not sure. Group E, Sevilla wins the group. Chelsea comes in second, Ren in third, Krasnodar fourth. I have to agree completely on that one. No, uh, exactly the way you put it. Sevilla first, Chelsea second, Ren going into the Europa League, and FC Krasnodar going home, going somewhere else. Group F, Borussia Dortmund, Club Bruges of Belgium, Lazio, and Zenit St. Petersburg. BVB, winners of the group, 
Second place team will be Zenit. Lazio okay. goes to the I'm Europa go League, and Bruges is Bruges out. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say uh, the same thing. BBB take the group with Lazio finishing second and Zenit ending up in the Europa League. Hey, man, the best defender in the world, Dejan Lovren, has to go on in the next round of the Champions League, right? Oh, man. I mean, it's only right. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Self-proclaimed best defender of the world. Group G is the cracking group. Ooh. Barcelona, Dynamo Kiev, Fener Savaros. I've butchered that, and Juventus. I don't even need to tell you who wins that group. You know, if you know me, you know who wins that group, and you know who finishes in second. I'm not going to come out here and say Dynamo <laughs> Kiev is going to be second. Juve Barcelona, Dynamo will be in the Europa League, and then the Hungarian team stays in Hungary. Um, I'm going to uh, say Messi gets the best of Ronaldo. Barcelona uh, will find a bit of form and finish top of their group. Juve in second place. Kiev in third. And F- uh, FC whatever. I'm not even going to try to say it. Sent home. Before uh, we get to group age, um, you group. are a hater. Because Juventus, they might not have Cristiano Ronaldo for the first game. If Ronaldo beats COVID, he's going to wash Barcelona. He's going he's gonna to beat COVID. And, you know, he's going to take all that time away from the field out on Barcelona. Mm, mm, Hope for the best for Messi. I love, I like Messi, but I like Juventus even more, even when Ronaldo was at Manchester United. So Juventus takes one Barcelona, two. <laughs> I got to, I got to respect the bias, the, uh, the favorite team bias. Uh, I would probably do the same thing if I was in your boots, but, but you're not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, exactly. Exactly. Uh, now, Group H, the final group in the Champions League, we've got uh, Manchester United, RB Leipzig, who made it to the semifinals last season, Istanbul, Basak Shahir, and uh, Paris Saint-Germain. I'm going to say, this could be wild, I'm going to say Leipzig finished first. Oh. Yeah, you thought I was going to say uh, United finished top of the group, right? No way in hell. No, I thought no it was the PSG first. Well, I got PSG finishing second and Man United going ahead, coming down into the Europa League, baby. Is it wild to say that I agree that Manchester United will be third? No, nah, I don't think I don't think it's wild. I think Leipzig still look good even without Timo Werner. United have a lot of things to figure out, and I don't think PSG is taking this Champions League season lightly. They're they're one like uh, Man City, who I think need to make something happen this season, and they could do it. Who knows? Because of PSG needing to do something this Champions League, they already got a taste of what the final feels like. Um, they're going to be thirsty to get back to that. They finished yeah. first in the group. RB Leipzig, they definitely showed us what they're capable of. They can definitely see themselves in to second spot. Istanbul, Besiktas, they're just, you know, they're not ready for Champions League. I, I don't think. This is their first ever group stage. I don't think they're ready. They'll be watching from the stands. Yeah, if they're allowed in the stadiums. Every one of these groups can go any way it can. It feels like all of these groups are balanced. You have your clear favorites in some groups. In others, it's a toss-up. Like, I feel like in this group, it's a toss-up. Bayern's group, it's clear that Bayern will win yeah. the group. And given the developments going on at Liverpool, yeah. where it looked like Liverpool might have, you know, topped that group, that it could easily be a toss-up right now, too. Absolutely. I think things look very interesting. Hopefully, it'll give us a really good season like it did last year. Maybe we'll have some surprises, uh, maybe a dark horse team like we did with Atalanta last year and uh, RB Leipzig to an extent. But very excited. We're looking forward to, to see what happens. And uh, hopefully the winner is not somebody that we expect. We'll see. We'll see what happens. 
good segue again, LV. You, you're, you're mastering segues today. <laughs> I know you said Manchester City, but do you, in your heart of hearts, believe that they will win? Yes, I do. Uh, Man City's got to do it. They have to do it. Uh, to be fair, they're not giving me a reason to believe that they can do it. Uh, they look uh, pretty shaky. I think, you know, little conspiracy theory, they're saving all their time and energy for the Champions League because Pep Guardiola knows that that is the one thing that he needs to win. And that's the one thing that he badly wants to win. And this is the year. I'm going City. City takes it. I mean, it's not really much of a conspiracy. I think it's obvious. What is this, QAnon? Um, but <laughs> no, seriously, you're going to die on that cross. LV, you're, you're better than me because my pettiness carries me. I want Juventus to win. I'm always going to have Juventus as my number one choice. If they don't, Bayern will repeat. If I had to choose a first-time winner of the Champions League, I would probably say PSG. I gain no satisfaction in saying that, but if I had to, yes. Yeah, and we know for obvious reasons. The fans may not know, but uh, maybe they do at this point. Yeah, I think Neymar's bitch-made diving and shit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's besides the point. I don't. We don't have to get into that. I don't want to get into that either. He it it, it messes me up. PSG, aka Pep Guardiola's next destination. Mm. Yeah, Champions League. Like you said, it's gonna give us some great games, some good results. It's also gonna give the football misfits things to talk about. Hopefully, some drama and some bullshit too. The drama and the bullshit that we like. So yeah, but yeah, so the week before we wrap this up, any BS? Um, I'm thinking back, and I feel like I had something. Uh, something in me wants to go ahead and call some some of the Spurs games some BS, but you know what? I'll hold my tongue. So, uh, yeah, no BS from your boy this week. Keeping it simple. How about you, Ronnie? You know what? I- I'll call BS on myself. Oh, <laughs> we love a uh, self-accountability. We love that. Earlier, like we mentioned, um, David Moyes listening to you talking-ish. I feel like San Jose Earthquakes heard me talking-ish. Since I said what I said about San Jose, they've been lights out. Mm, um, mm, mm. They definitely heard you. They definitely heard you. At the time of recording this, they defeated um the LA Galaxy in the California Classico. I don't know who they played today. So yeah, I did say they were going through a rough time. They did win two MLS Cups in their history, but yeah, they're they're doing a lot better ever since I called BS on them. So before that, I called BS on myself. I'll take accountability. That's fair. That won't be the first time one of whether you or I calls BS on uh, ourselves or each other. But hats off to you, man. Do you want to go ahead and uh, sign us off, my good brother? Yes, sir. We thank everybody for listening. We thank everybody for getting involved and interacting at Footy Misfits on Instagram. If you have any BS to call of your own, if you want to call BS on us, if you have anything to acknowledge, reach out to us. We definitely appreciate everyone reaching out to us. We're getting ready for episode 10. We're hitting double digits next week. So we're definitely Ooh. looking forward to that. Um, we got to drop those horns for that too. Air, I know we said air horns a couple times this episode, but we need some air horns for reaching double digits. With that being said, he goes by the name of LV. I go by Ronnie. We are the Footy Misfits. Thank you guys for listening. We will see you next week. Adios.